Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. First lesson is from 1 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 16. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and struggle, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise you your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice, devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from 1 John 3, 16 through 24. That is 1 John 3, 16 through 24. Listen for the word of the Lord. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So an exciting day, an exciting day for the life of our church family, and for the larger body of Christ. As Vicki mentioned before when she talked about baptism, whether our six confirmands were baptized here or someone else, when we baptize someone, they're baptized on behalf of the larger Christian body of Christ. And the fact that several are still here that were baptized here gives us a chance 
to ask ourselves, how are we doing? If you remember those questions, the family answers questions to raise and nurture that child in the faith. You, each of you that were here at this time, and those again out in any church anywhere that baptized any of these young people, took vows the same way to raise and nurture that child. So let me ask it this way. If you have ever, let's see, who's the oldest? Chip, how old are you? 15. In the last 15 years at this church, if you have ever, let's say, taught a Sunday school class, would you please stand and stay standing for the youth? If you have ever done anything as a youth advisor, gone on a trip or gone down the river or um, cooked anything for them or provided anything for them on a Montreat trip or a mission trip, would you please stand? If you are immediate family, well, I'll just say family. We've got several with several generations. If you are family of any of these confirmands, would you please stand? And now this, this should get all but our visitors, and there's time yet, visitors. If you have ever given one dime to this congregation that would have been funneled through Christian education to the working of our youth and children's programming, would you please stand? That's everybody. Just go ahead and cover yourselves and everybody just stand. Confirmands, I want you to look at these people. All of them who've taken vows have done their best to be faithful to each one of you. That's pretty exciting. I want you to remember this congregation that's standing up for you today as you move forward. Uh, you may be seated, thank you. You may have difficult times. You may have times when doubt creeps back in. And I want you to remember this community of faith that isn't now dispelled or dispersed because you were confirmed but rather it's just the next step in your journey and they will always be there for you. And guess what? You need to be there for them. They have helped you in so many ways that you don't even know. And whether you know it or not, you have helped them already. You are not the church of the future. You are the church now. And so this next step is to continue your journey. And that friends is exciting. So what then do we say to these confirmands that have been working so hard, given of their time, given of their resources, their Sunday mornings at least, their time of learning and asking questions, of growth, of scripture, of memorization, of hands-on ministry? Well, thankfully, we don't have to come up with it because God already did that. We call it the Bible. But especially today, John in 1 John, so there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John later in the New Testament, may have been the same as the gospel writer John. A lot of uncertainty in the scholastic world, but there's a lot of connection between the gospel of John and these three, 1st, uh, 2nd, and 3rd John. 
And so whether it was the same author or not, it was similar in style, in imagery. And so a lot of times we put these together with one author, John. Not, not the same John who wrote Revelation, John of Patmos. That's another John. It's so hard. It's like Mary's. Come on. Let's get some last names, people. But 1 John, one of the great things about 1 John is it reinforces those basic Christian virtues and values. Why? Because the church that John is writing, and these are considered letters, even though they're not in letter form, were written to these churches because of primarily false teachers. Those who are claiming to have the truth when they don't, those who claim to be Christian inspired and they're not, and those who just frankly are claiming to have done miracles and been raised from the dead just like Jesus. It is starting to harm the church. The culture is seeping in and saying, no, we're better, we can do better than whatever you say happened in this Jesus event. So John is writing to make sure that the basics of the Christian faith are being remembered, practiced, and understood. And the one focus verse today, try to keep it simple. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Truth and action. Two words. If you remember nothing else, remember truth and action. Say it with me. Truth and action. Let's break those down. What is truth? Anybody remember somebody in the Bible in a pretty important moment in Jesus' life who said, what is truth? You might sometimes might fly a plane. Pilate, right. It's not spelled the same way. Right, if you remember right before Jesus is crucified, he is visiting with Pilate after he had already sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back. And Pilate is asking him, is he the king of the Jews? Have you done all these things they said? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I come to bring the truth. And Pilate asked in one of the most ironic statements of all time, what is truth? Silence. Truth was staring him in the face. Truth was standing before him, about to give his life for the world, that it would be saved and not condemned. One of the things about the Gospel of John and 1 John is that we believe in Jesus Christ. That's the truth. There's a lot of truth out there. We seek different truths. We all know that depending on our context, we all see, understand, and interpret truth differently. Certainly in the world of the world, Certainly in the world of politics, certainly in the world of everything, hours of science, certainly of faith. It's not just beauty that's in the eye of the beholder. Often it has become truth. But what truth undergirds all of that seeking it is the truth of the reality of Jesus Christ and his being raised from the dead. Resurrection. It's what we just celebrated a few weeks ago at Easter. 
That is our truth. There are objective and subjective reasons to believe. We don't check our minds at the door. We offer all that we are, mind, body, spirit, heart, soul, to God and use all of it to fully understand that God and Christ and the Holy Spirit are real and involved and invested or seeking to be with each one of us. So first, we have to get to the truth. And the truth comes through study. And the truth comes through experience. The truth comes from seeing God in your world in a variety of ways. This world is imperfect. We will wait for the next. And we're all, all heading that way. But now, it's not just about salvation. That's a huge and pretty big part of it. But we are to build the kingdom here and now. We don't wait until the afterlife to then really think that we're Christian or then to really believe. What a joy to be able to live now knowing that God is with us and Christ walks with us and the Holy Spirit fills us and surrounds us. That's the joy of this journey. You can have a happy life as an atheist, sure. What do you gain with Christ? Everything, everything. You gain this community of faith that has stood for 15 years by some of these class members. We laugh together, we cry together, we hold one another up. We create environments where it's okay to ask questions and say, I'm not sure I get this, I understand that, but I don't, I'm not here. Or what do you think about that? I don't know, what do you think? We visit each other, we serve each other. We break bread together, we celebrate the journey. We celebrate at baptism and weddings. We weep together at memorial services and funerals. And we walk this journey together. The church and the church family are gifts from God. I know, institutional church, bad. Well, it's, it's not. It's certainly broken because it's led by broken, sinful people but there is so much good within it that we've thrown out with the bathwater. There's so much good in the life of a church as we seek to follow Christ together. We were never meant to do this alone. There's not just one person that we spread out. This year, one of them will go through confirmation, and next year, the next one. No, we did it as a group so they can be a group together. The truth is that there is joy and challenge and struggle and celebration in this journey. And it starts before we are even aware of it. It started when these confirmands were infants right here, met some of them. They couldn't profess for themselves because they were babies. But now they are. Last week, they met with the session. They made their professions of faith. They read their statements of faith, which will be with their crosses in the reception, at the reception so you can see them after worship. They did a great job. Well done, y'all. And now they are standing 
on their own. No more is it just the faith of their immediate family or their extended family. They are claiming for Christ as their own, as their Savior in this world and the next. And friends, that is exciting. That is truth first. Truth and action, right. So what does truth look like? Truth isn't just academic. Again, you experience things to understand the full truth of Christ in your life. And that happens some here and it happens a lot out there. It's seeing the world with eyes of faith. And the more that we look and recognize, the more we will see because we believe it more and more. That is truth. But John says it can't just rest with our mental, our intellectual decision to follow Christ. That's a big one. It comes in all that we are and they will know we are Christians by our, by our, Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our, by our love. Simple, a word we use over and over again, because it is at the core of who God is. Not horror, not judgment, not wrath, not hell. There are pieces of those pieces, but overall God's character is love. How do we know? Because God sent Christ. If God didn't love us, Christ would never have come. We could never maintain the relationship that God intended from the start. We could never do as we do in all of our worship services, which is to confess, to repent, to come home to God and start again with new life. None of that. If God was only wrathful and judging, friends, nobody's going to make it. Through this world, certainly there is no next. We talked about solidarity a few weeks ago. God became in solidarity with us in this life through Christ who became one of us. That's pretty exciting. How do we respond to all of that? In action. Everything that we do in our life is a response to the way God has loved us first. We love because God loved us first. And this giving your life for others, most of us are not called to be martyrs in the Christian faith. Some, but probably not us. But giving your life for others, when we take away life and death, it's about the way that you live every day. It's about the way that you sacrificially live every day. Loving God is not fluffy bunnies and skipping hands with Jesus into the sunset. Some of that, sure. But God's love is sacrificial as God showed it to us through Christ. And we too are to live sacrificially. And that sounds challenging at first. But when we realize that we are transformed in the way that we love others in Christ's name, the more that we grow, the more that we are transformed, the more that we see God active in the world, 
the more that truth and action become our Christian foundation. It doesn't always mean it's easy. Y'all know that. There's a lot of people who would take advantage of you. There's a story about Robert Di Vincenzo, famous golfer from Argentina. Made lots of money after one win. Took all his pictures, got his trophy, had his check for that golf tournament. He's in the parking lot when a lady comes and talks to him about her infant who is dying in the hospital. And there was no money to treat that child. They were going to have to turn this infant out who was sick and near death. So the golfer endorses his winnings check over to the lady and says, God bless you. I, I, I hope your baby is well and I hope this helps. So the next week, one of the officials in the PGA says, uh, hey, some of, the, some of the guys parking the car saw you in the parking lot with, with that lady. Did you give her money? He said, yeah, her, her infant child was sick and, and I thought I could help. He says, nope. She's not married. She doesn't have children. You were just scammed, my friend. How does that make you feel? And he says, now, wait a minute. So there's no baby who is dying that is suffering or is being harmed? And the official says, no. He said, then that's the best news I've gotten all week. Sometimes we're going to be taken advantage of, part of it. You think Jesus wasn't taken advantage of? You think all those people he healed in the Bible were excited about jumping on the Jesus bandwagon and that we're looking for a savior and this is our guy? No, I can't see. I need you to heal me. I can't walk, Jesus. I need you to heal me. And I'm in. I'll say whatever you want me to say. If you can heal me and make me whole again. People then use Jesus, but Jesus knew that and healed them anyway. Our job, friends, when we live in truth and action is to help those that God places in our path daily, sacrificially. It is that agape love of which we speak regularly. There was a story about a, a man who didn't know the word agape, which is Greek for that sacrificial love, that high level God love that God shows us through Christ. And he went and looked it up in the dictionary. Agape is spelled just like agape, which is to open your mouth. So are we Christians agape or are we Christians who focus on agape? Do we confess with our mouths but not our hands and feet? Do we just do action but not settle on the truth yet? Both of these work together and truth and action are important. So as we shift today into our celebration of our confirmands, I want us all to remember those two things, truth and action. Truth is that which we know about Christ, and the action is the way that we live our lives. And if you don't have both of those figured out, that's okay. That's a part of what church and this faith journey and community of faith are about. We'll figure we're working on it together. 
If you've got action because you feel better helping people, but you don't have the rest of this theology stuff figured out, come on. If you've got the theology figured out and you've decided to follow Christ, but a little weak on the action and the sacrificial giving daily, come on. It's what this journey is about. It's what this faith is about. And it brings the joy and meaning to this life. And all along the way, each time we help someone, we are being transformed. We are getting to know God and ourselves more and more closely. So my charge to you, friends, and all of you, don't forget truth and action. Live your life in both of those camps. None of us is there. The rest of our lives, for all of us, is a confirmation journey that we can continue to ask questions. We can continue to work together as a church family and a body of Christ in the world. Last week, and I'll close with this, when uh, Mark Mueller was here, executive director of the Outreach Foundation, talking about the great missionaries that we support through our partnership and the global outreach, our, our mission partners. After worship last week, a lady came who was not of this church family, watched us at home. Uh, Vicki, my wife, our Christian educator of children and adults, saw her out front. She said, can you show me where the pastor is? The one who preached today? And she said, yeah, he's back, back at the reception. Connie, we were celebrating Connie. And she said, and he said, can you tell me your name? Nope. She handed Vicki an envelope of money and said, I was convicted by what he said today. Tell him this is just from a witness. If you remember last week's service, was, uh, his sermon was called My Witnesses. Didn't want any complications with this church that she's not a part of. Didn't know about these crazy Presbyterians. Racially different than many of us. But she was moved from truth to action, to sacrificial giving through a church that she doesn't know except what she sees. And thank you, friend, whoever you are, blessings, and you were a witness that day. That is truth and action. Let's live it together. It's an exciting journey. So let's take it.